We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. Welcome into the Wednesday edition of the Pack a Day podcast. I'm Steve Perhatch, joined as always by Dusty Evely and Sarah Kelleher. Combine week, kids. What is going on? Who's Woo! excited? Combine week party. Woo! <laughs> this is one of those moments where I wish everyone could see what Dusty just did. Because that was just <laughs> lovely. His little dance that he did. Really lovely. <laughs> I mean, come on. Let's be fair. Dusty's just mad that nobody has brought up his name to Matt LaFleur yet. Listen, somebody has to. I assume everyone – I assume it's just like a race till at this point of who is going to do it first. Um, so it's it's going to happen. I'm fine. I mean, we've got we've got several people from the Pack-A-Day podcast down there, correct? Yeah, entirely. We can, we can make this happen. Listen, we've got people from Pack-A-Day – We've got we've got cheesehead folks, Nagler's there. We've got our, our good friend, our good good friend, close personal friend, uh, Matt Schneidman's there. Listen, we got we got we got people there. We got lots of people there, so we can make this happen for sure. Yes, um, but news wise, I mean, there's a lot going on. People are getting measured. Uh, we haven't started all the testing yet, but um, the Packers have been. Meeting with wide receivers. I know that's a shock to everybody in the world, but uh, Peter Bukowski put out that the Packers have already met with Jalen Rager, uh, Chenault, Justin Jefferson, 
Courtney Davis, Quintus Cephas, and that's by no means, and he's, as he said, by no means a complete list. So let's not be shocked here, but um, the Packers have met with a lot of wide receivers, and even Jalen Rager um, said that he had talked with the Packers. I feel like there's a lot of interest we sat and watched film. That's a direct quote from him that they sat and watched film. So, I mean, it's what it's what they need. They need a burner, and that's what he does. So, I mean, ever as soon as that that started, you know, there's all sorts of inappropriate tweets and excited tweets, and it, it took everything for me not to pull the uh, the gift from Saving Sarah Marshall. I don't know if you're familiar. I am. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Going from going from six to midnight. <laughs> Sarah, nothing, or are you? Frozen? No, Sarah doesn't know that movie. Okay, that sounds about right. She probably didn't get it from Blockbuster. So, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, you guys missed everybody listening. You missed the whole conversation about how Sarah, uh, Dusty, and I were were referring to Blockbuster Video and everything like that. And Sarah's like, "No, no, no! I I went to Blockbuster. I went to Blockbuster." And then she started talking about the DVDs she would get from there and <laughs> lost all credibility. I'm so, quite familiar I with the DVDs. I wanted to be part of the conversation, um, but let's just, let's jump right into it because Gutekunst and Lafleur were available to media today, and we kind of I, I tasked both of you guys with like, all right, what's the one thing you wanted to talk about? And obviously, Dusty doesn't want to listen to me, so he has multiple things he wants to talk about. Yeah. So we're going to start with Dusty, we'll swing around to Sarah, come to me, and then we'll end with Dusty for both of them. So, Dusty, who would you prefer to talk about first, Goody or LaFleur? Um, and, I mean, I feel like LaFleur I got a little more excited about, so maybe we'll save it to the end. So I'll go okay. uh, I'll go Gutekunst. Uh, yeah, Gutekunst had his thing. You know, he had his presser. Uh, it was really fun. I mean, you mentioned all of the Pack-A-Day guys and, and also a bunch of other people as well. There were so many clips. There was, like, the, the Q&A, kind of the set Q&A at the podium that they both had. But then they also had time. It looked like just on the floor, just, just surrounded by a circle of, of, of sweaty men and, and also uh, Lily Zhao. Um, and they're, like, just kind of asking questions. So I can't remember when a lot of this stuff came in, but there's a whole bunch of really, really great, uh, content of videos of interviews and stuff kind of going on uh, from from today that was just amazing to watch. So I, I spent a bunch of time just kind of going through and watching some of them at you know one or two minutes at a time, just really fun clips. So uh, the, I want to talk about Gudikins. He talked about uh, there was a question and some of the some of the problem was it's hard to hear the question, so you have to kind of guess what the question is. Some of it because the question's a little softer. Uh, so one of the questions that came into Gudikins was um, basically about scouting the draft. Now there's it, or scouting the combine for the draft, and there's there's this phenomenon every single year that's this you get these combine darlings, you get these guys who are like get for you know maybe mid round pick, and then they run a four three, and all of a sudden everyone's talking about they're shooting up the draft board. Well, this guy that was like a mid fourth round pick is now going eleventh in the draft overall. There's something something like that. There's something insane like that. So some kind of question like that was phrased to Gutekunst, and he basically replied that they always go back to the tape. 
that you can look. He said what they hope, and I've just there was this insight into the mind of this, um, like how how they how they look to approach the draft, how they're looking to to look at each individual player. He said they look at the tape, they go in with a good idea of what that player can do. Then you go to the combine, and I think he said what you what you hope is that what you see at the combine, if a guy plays fast, that he runs a fast forty. Uh, you hope basically what you're seeing at the combine, what he shows, what he produces, kind of matches roughly what you already thought. And if it doesn't, that doesn't necessarily mean that you go with the combine over everything else. You go back to the tape. And so that was one of the things he said a couple different times. He just said the phrase, we always go back to the tape. Uh, we always take that as the truth. So I, I love the idea of no matter what happens at the combine, uh, which, you know, this it's not just the Packers. You think of like the, the DK Metcalf hype last year. That was he ran that 40 and it was suddenly he was in the top 10. Well, then he didn't go to the, what, the fourth or fifth round. So just kind of getting that answer from a guy who clearly knows what he's doing and that kind of thought process of, <laughs> we're not going to freak out whatever we see at the combine. That's that's a piece of information we are going to use, but that's not the truth that we're kind of settling on. We always go back to the tape. So it was, oh, I I really enjoyed that. Sarah, what did you like from uh, from Goody? I don't know if I liked it, but something that <laughs> I found really interesting was his discussion about the linebackers and just what was happening with them this season and what he expects moving forward. So. We talked about the linebackers probably about a month ago now, I think that was, and just we graded them and we kind of gave our predictions of what we thought would happen moving forwards, and it seemed like it kind of lined up with what he was saying as well. So he mentioned that he was really impressed with Oren Burks, with what he saw from him, and you know it was unfortunate that he was injured because he thinks that there's a lot of potential there. He talked about Ty Summers and praised him on his special teams performance a little bit and what's been going on there, and he thinks he has potential. And then the most interesting part to me was that he talked about Blake Martinez and how his future is uncertain right now with Green Bay. So that was really interesting to me. I know that's been a discussion that everyone's been having, but to hear Gooby say that out front and just out loud, like, yeah, we don't really know what's happening with him, probably not the best sign for Blake Martinez. Um, I think if they were going to bring him back, they would – Probably, you know, outright say, like, we're working, you know, to make something happen. But the fact that he was just like, I don't know what his future looks like, not the best sign for him there. So I just thought that was really interesting, especially since we had just talked about that group of guys a few weeks ago. Yeah, this whole season is, like, shaping up just to make me rageful and annoyed because the Packers are going to end up with Oren Burks and Ty Summers and you know, some practice squad dude that they sign that at running at their inside linebacker and I'm going to go insane. And I'm going to get to the other part why I'm going to go insane a little bit later when we talk about Matt LaFleur. Uh, but yeah, it's just, I mean, we all know Blake Martinez is gone. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Packers are not going to pay that type of money for an inside linebacker. That's not wreaking havoc all over the field. And uh, let's be, let's be honest. Blake Martinez cleans up fine like he can clean up some plays he's not making the impact plays and that's what you want from your inside linebacker at 10 to 11 million dollars i mean as high as what like 14 i've heard numbers go like that's just that insane. seems insane to me that seems that's insanity but who knows i mean there's so many teams that have so much cap space mm-hmm. if one of them needs an inside linebacker maybe they make a crazy play that wouldn't in today's nfl that's not going to shock me um the thing that i took away from gutekunst's talking with the press, I really love the fact that when he was asked about what the Packers need to do to catch the 49ers, 
she basically stopped the question and goes, "What? Well, we're not catching. We're not trying to catch a team. We're trying to build the best football team that we can make." And I really, I, I really appreciated that just because. You can't go and mold your team to go out and beat a team. Like it can't be done that way because it's there's so much variance in the NFL. There's so much variance between these teams as to what strong suits are and uh, you know who plays well to what scheme. So I like the fact that the, that that he is going out and trying to build the best team possible. I mean, it's evident the way that he has gone about this team of, you know, Ted Thompson would have just slid around and let the 53rd man be whatever it was. And I know I've talked about this multiple mm-hmm. times, but I always love the fact that uh, Gutekunst is willing to take a waiver claim on somebody and try to improve that last spot on the team. Because, I mean, that's how we ended up – that's how the Packers ended up with Tyler Irvin – uh, that's how they ended up with several players. I mean, he's willing to make those moves to see what he can do to continually make the Packers a better squad. And, I mean, he just kind of doubled down on that of, I'm not going to try to beat the 49ers just because they're on our schedule again. I'm trying to make the Packers the best team that we can on the field, and then the rest takes care of itself. So overall, I loved it. Um, Dusty, I know you got one or two other ones you want to talk about with Goody? Uh, not necessarily. I mean, there's one uh, There's one that he and LaFleur both hit on that I guess I can talk about now. and actually kind of shoehorns pretty well into what you were saying there. I mean, in the, the not catching, and they both hit on this to some extent. LaFleur's, uh, the, the way he kind of mentioned, and, and I think Goodikens either in that moment or later on was the idea of, uh, drafting basically drafting guys that are good. I know that sounds insane, but best player available, which is something Thompson went for as well. Someone asked a question of like, when you're looking to draft, are you looking to get guys that fit into the scheme? Um, and and that's something that I feel like you know Thompson did that as a GM, but McCarthy was a little more rigid. I feel like in some of his scheme stuff, where he would kind of get these guys and then say, okay. You, it's not just McCarthy, but like you, we've got you, and now you have to fit into this thing that we want to do, whether or not that fits specifically into what that what that player does or not. So the uh, floor had talked about um, basically adapting people to the scheme. You're not necessarily changing it, and and I think Gutekunst, the the way he came at it was kind of more of a uh, I think is the wide receiver question, and it was this. Do you draft someone you feel fits the scheme, or do you draft someone that's like, how does your board look like, more or less? And it was this, we we draft people who are good, and there's always going to be specific scheme things that someone will be better at. But if a guy's a good football player, he's a good football player, and if you <laughs> if you can't make that work, there's something wrong with, with you, with your system, and there's something wrong with you as a coach that you can't adapt that. So I think that coming from both Gutekunst and Lafleur in, in slightly different ways, I really enjoyed hearing that. Just Just the, we grab whoever's there, we grab who we like. And we, it's on us to find ways to to fit them into what, what we believe works. I, I I enjoyed that talk in different ways, kind of coming from both of them. Putting putting players in good situations yep. and you know doing things that they succeed at is a good thing. So mm-hmm. definitely agree with that, Sarah. What did you like from uh, from the floor? Or what did you? Sorry, I, I take that back because hmm. you didn't like what Goody said. But what did you find no, interesting I from? LaFleur? I did not like what he said, but it wasn't like when he was talking. I was like, I know, oh, I'm I just, love that. I just I'm trying to I'm trying to phrase it differently so you don't have. So what did you find? What What was the most interesting thing for you from from the floor today? Well, this part I actually did like. So <laughs> sorry, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I'm being complicated, but. 
I really loved how... Goddamn um, millennials. <laughs> technically, am I a millennial or Gen Z? Mm. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Um, so, <laughs> I'm pretty positive. I'm, I know I'm on the border of... What's your, uh, what year were you born? 98. Okay. You Riveting. talk, I'll figure this out. Okay. Riveting stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is exactly why people listen to this podcast. Anyways, I loved how LaFleur talked about Alan Lazard. I have been a fan of his come up all, or I was, I guess, a fan of his come up all year. I loved, you know, what we were seeing from him early on and how he really worked his way up and earned, I think, every moment that he got. And that's kind of what Coach said as well. He said, I'm excited about him. He earned every right and something, or every rep, excuse me. And something that I thought was particularly interesting that he said was that his path kind of to success and, you know, to the playtime and, you know, seeing reps on the field should be a bloop. He said a blueprint to other players, other young players. And I thought that was a pretty cool quote. And it was just interesting that, you know, not, I think we see a lot of times that Poland players come in and they expect to be drafted and play right away and make a huge impact. But I think Lazard kind of took an untraditional path and really just worked his way up. And I think it's great that, you know, coaches recognizing something like that. And it also made me excited that, you know, they're going to stick with him in some capacity moving forward. So it'll be interesting. I know, Steve, earlier we were talking about wide receivers and what that looks like and who they're looking at, but it's, do they look at one less maybe than they were thinking of before because they trust in Lazard enough. So it's interesting stuff and I'm really excited to see what he does. So I'm, I'm glad that, you know, the team has that trust in him as well. Uh, so you technically are not a millennial. You are a Gen. What is it? Gen Z, Gen, right? Gen Z slash I Gen. But, but it's I like, feel like I'm I'm on the border because there's some like I'm so close on the border. Well, it's I mean it's very true because I mean I I also am on the border because I was born in '81 and technically that is a that does fall into a millennial, but it's also another one of X. Like it, there's wait, a whole worm. Wait, there's a whole a wormhole. There's a whole wormhole to go you're, around here. Wait, you're a millennial? You what year were you born? Jokes, man. Eighty. Yeah. Well, so are you. No, I thought it was Gen X. Nope. Pusher's uh, millennial started eighty-two. Okay. Nope. No, it says, well, it says, well, it says eighty right here on Wikipedia, so <laughs> it can't be wrong. Okay. All right, buddy. <laughs> Anyway, um, okay, so there's multiple things that I wanted to talk about for for Matt LaFleur. Number one, I mean, let's, let's be honest. The man is the most handsome head coach in the NFL right now. Like, it just, so it just doesn't stop. Like, he, he's answering questions. He's got, like, his quarter zip sweater on. I'm like, man, that's a good-looking dude. It's a really good-looking man. Just yeah. a good-looking dude. Mm-hmm. Um, number two, I loved the fact that he interrupted a question about <laughs> Aaron Rodgers' uh, passer rating. Mm-hmm. And basically it was just like, yeah, I don't, I don't care. Like, passer rating is a uh, – I forget exactly what he said, but like almost was like saying that it was an antiquated number that – it does. It doesn't tell the story, and basically we all know that. But um, I love the fact that he just that he went out and did that. And then the other thing um, that basically enraged me um, <laughs> was he was asked about Aaron Jones and if Aaron Jones had earned the right to be, you know, like the featured back of the Packers and everything like that. 
And then we found out that um, Matt LaFleur would like a third running back to get involved into the mix. And look, Duffy, like, so mad. So mad, he can't even talk. Oh, I don't even know where the hell to start. Like, okay, first of all, I understand the fact that he doesn't, either doesn't like, doesn't trust Dexter Williams. Get that. Okay, fine. They're going to need to get a third running back because injuries happen and everything like that. And my guess is they're not going to pay Aaron Jones $8 million next year. So they do need a backup plan. And that aspect makes sense to me. But his quote was saying that they need to lighten the load of both Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones, which I've, I just can't understand it. His specific context, to, to be clear, the way you're framing this is not how it was presented. The way it was presented, the question was in, like, was basically asking about the running backs. And the floor, basically, before he said all this, before he said any of that, he said, running back is one of the the, hard, the toughest positions as far as getting hit, as far as wear and tear on the body mm-hmm. in the entire league. We have these two guys. We need someone to take. Now, he didn't say exactly how many snaps. It could be like they're taking 10 snaps a game, just something to get them off. I mean, you think of what a running back does. You're not just running routes. You're not just running up the middle between the tackles. You're also taking on pass protection. That could be a defensive tackle. That could be a corner scraping off the edge. That could be a very large pass rusher coming at you that you have to pick up. Like, there is a lot of it. So running backs don't last very long. Like The, the reason he said it and the reason I'm not upset, well, I'm not upset because, I don't know, I don't get upset by a whole lot anymore, I don't think. But the way he framed that was like this, basically, yeah, these guys get beat up, and we need to do something. We need to make sure that we have someone else that allows them to not get beat up too much, in addition to all the things you said about needing someone else and Aaron Jones probably not being around or one or the other not being back or or even an injury, the event of an injury. Mm-hmm. They don't have a viable third option. Mm-hmm. So sure. I, sure, I don't know. Sure. Like I thought the way sure. he phrased it was like, hey, these guys are getting beat up and we need them to not get so beat up. I mean, they need to actually get a rest every now and then. Which as, soon, which as soon as, as soon as I heard it, as soon as I heard it, I was like, I agree with I agree with absolutely everything he's saying. And also, Steve is going to be livid tonight. <laughs> Oh that was, my! That was my reaction. I was watching, you know, all of the combine stuff from today when I was eating dinner, and I was taking some notes and you know, starring the things that I really thought would be interesting for us to talk about. And I saw that and was like, Steve is <laughs> is gonna lose it. And I go to message our Twitter group, and <laughs> literally five minutes before Steve had messaged us and was like, I'm so done and was quite angry. So very on brand for Steve. Oh, there there was no, no, I did not say I'm done. I will never be done with the Packers. Whatever. I'm trying to pull up the message because I, I feel like I feel, he came I real that, close. I feel that frames me un uncharacteristic. There's a lot of rage. There was a lot oh, of rage. Oh yeah. I mean I did use the gif of um what's his name? Leonardo DiCaprio from Wolf of Wall Street, like, yelling into the microphone. Yeah, yeah, the gift that depicts rage, unhinged rage, that one. Mm-hmm. No, I'm sorry. Like, I just, I don't buy it. I don't buy it. You you systematically take Aaron Jones off the field for multiple series to protect him from this. Not not multiple series. They're not, yes. they don't do that anymore. They're not taking off for multiple series. Let's calm down. Uh, have, have Let's have they, calm down. Have they started doing something different from the last season? Yeah, they, they, they weren't, weren't taking, taking they weren't taking him off for multiple seasons last year. 
or for multiple things. Now, they were not taking him off for multiple drives last year. That was not a regular occurrence. They were not taking him off for regular drives. If they were, he had injuries. He had in-game injuries they were they were doing things with. Whatever, whatever, man. It's Look, gonna... I understand <laughs> that you want to get a job with Matt LaFleur. You don't need to kiss his ass this bad. Like, he doesn't no, listen. He no. doesn't listen. I'm not. Listen, Aaron Jones, they knew going in, Aaron Jones is undersized. He's not going to be on the field 80% of the snaps. Like, that's not a legitimate thing that is going to happen, nor should that happen. That should not happen. They absolutely need to give him breaks. They absolutely need to have times where he's not on the field, and they need to be effective without him. And they have shown eh, middling ability to do that, but they're not taking him off for, like, two series at a time, really. I never said two series at a time, but I you would said multiple say, series at a time. That's no, more than multiple one. series. So multiple. one in the first half, one in the second half. They're not really doing the series by series thing anymore. That was a McCarthy thing. They're not doing the series by series thing anymore. We had this, oh my god, no, we're not going to, no. We had this whole discussion about how they take him out for entire series, and no, you, it's a Jamal Williams series. You had it. You had that conversation, <laughs> and I decided not to weigh in because I didn't want to fight about it. <laughs> god, I don't know what it is. Like, for whatever reason, this, these are like my sticking points, are running backs and inside linebackers, and the Packers continually decide that they want to make my blood pressure go through the roof, so... I uh, like to be fair. I understand the need to draft a running back, and I fully expect the Packers to do that. But let's say you don't plan on paying Aaron Jones eight million dollars. Doesn't it make sense to get every damn ounce of talent out of that kid for the next year? Then, to some extent, yeah. But you're also in that case. You also then are still banking on, you know, him not getting worn down by getting a higher workload. But also, if he does get injured, what do you do at that point? I mean, to me, really more than anything, I think what you kind of mentioned at the top, Steve, to me it speaks more of kind of what they feel about Dexter Williams more than anything. Like, Very they, true. I mean, they, they, they were like, we don't need a running back. Like, okay, cool. Then they're happy with Dexter Williams in the case there's an injury. They clearly aren't. And so, I mean, they're, they're, I mean, what, they probably grab, grab one in the fifth round or something? I don't know. Easy I mean, it de- depends where where everything falls. I mean... I mean, mock drafts are all over the damn place. Everybody knows that. I mm-hmm. mean, fun like when I do for, do one for fun, like I don't even never I never post them, but like J.K. Dobbins is sitting out there in the second round. And I'm like, ooh, okay, maybe, maybe I understand what's that. Like I, I I understand the need, but I feel like Aaron Jones is such a talent that. Like, we had this discussion every freaking week, I feel like, how he's not used enough. And then you sit here and tell me that we need to, we need to figure a way to lighten his load. Oh, my God. I just – it drives me insane every damn time. So, it's never going to change. You guys are going to side with the coach. I'm going to side with, you know, normal Packer fans, and it, it just goes on. So, Dusty, let's move on. What else did you uh, like, love, or find interesting from coach? The thing I really liked was him. he was talking about how he wanted to lighten Aaron Jones's load. That was really, <laughs> that was a lot of fun. <laughs> no, <laughs> sorry, I saw you taking a drink. I had to had to take a shot at that one. Uh, <laughs> You're very lucky I did not drop an MF for there. Uh, it's real close. I thought it about it. I thought uh, about making you do extra work and finding that slide whistle again. <laughs> Got a, I got a bunch of them I could, I could put in. Uh, no, I mean, it, it will. If you watched any of the floor stuff, it will surprise you not at all uh, to know that 
the thing that really stuck out to me the most was there was a question to the floor. I can't remember who asked it about specifically about the no huddle. Uh, that was something this year. I know I talked a lot about was this. Uh, I really want to see them up the tempo a little bit. I wanted to see them not only – when I say up the tempo, you go no huddle, it's not necessarily you get up and snap it. It's you get up, you can see what people are doing. Just just the, the act of going no huddle, just even in stretches, and it just – you can dictate. You get. You can dictate what the defense does. You can dictate that they can't necessarily substitute. You, if you've got a package out there you like, you can kind of keep them out there. And so you don't have to like get up to the line and snap it real fast. You can get up to the line and, and you can take it down to two seconds before the play clock ends if you want to. But you're still getting up there and you are dictating that pace. You're dictating who is on the field. Uh, and so I really wanted to see them do that this year. And they didn't. Did I don't have the numbers in front of me. They did not do it very much. I think it was less than. Less than 70% of the time or something. Uh, and so someone asked about that. Just this, are you going to no huddle? Kind of what's the thought behind that? And the answer to that, which is something I kind of suspected, was this. Uh, it's kind of, a, I think the floor actually said it's the terminology and the verbiage of the stuff. Basically, they're installing a new system. And this is something they touched on, uh, him and Gudikins both, in different areas with, with Rodgers. Basically, you're installing this new system. It was a really good year, but they still were working out some of the stuff. They're working through some of the communication. They're working through some of the language. They talked specifically about Aaron Rodgers in terms of playing more instinctually, just not thinking too much, going up there, getting the play in, not having to think and process, just reacting because he knows what the play is. He knows where the guys are supposed to go. He's familiar with all that. And so kind of tying into all of that is this idea of no huddle. That is this, you're in this second year. Now you know. Now everyone's kind of on the same page. Maybe you can you know, shorten some of the play calls or... Or do you, did whatever the devil they need to do, and they can get up there and they can play a little faster, they can play a little looser because everyone's a little more comfortable in this. And so the idea of um, I love that question, and I also love I love that answer of like, well, we're going to do what we've always done. Is like, no, this was kind of the plan. We install in the first year, we've got this, we get people on the same page. Now that we're kind of where we want to be, we can be a little faster and looser with kind of how we're doing some stuff. So I love the thought process, and I love that there is a way forward to introduce more of the no huddle aspect to it. So um, yeah, like I said, if you if you know me at all, you would know that that's the thing I would I would kind of get get in on is is that no huddle talk, uh, and it did not disappoint. Just really really love that answer, and and really got me again with all the Roger stuff with the playing more instinctually and kind of everyone knowing stuff a little better. Got me. Uh, I was already excited about year two, and they brought up a lot uh, Matt Ryan's year two under that system as well, and that was his MVP year and all of that. So I already kind of had that in the back of my mind, but some of the answers that came out today. Uh, got me even more excited for next year. Uh, like it seems like they've got a really good plan going in for kind of what the what the next iteration of this offense looks like, uh, which I think will probably inform some of the draft as well. But uh, yeah, just really really good answer. Uh, thoroughly enjoyed that one. Nothing. Like I feel like you you've got like seven million things to talk oh, about. Oh yeah, of... I've, got, I've got one more. I got one more, okay. and that was just. Uh, I can't remember if that was if that was good. No, it was the floor. He specifically was talking about Tyler Irvin. Uh, and basically, when Tyler Irvin came in, that was the moment the special teams really turned around, which I mean, had like negative eight yards when he came in. So like, yeah, how how could it not? Uh, but he also specifically talked about which which we kind of saw with his snaps on offense, just how they loved his versatility on offense. And just kind of what he brought, that speed element and what he was able to do. They really liked what he was able to bring to the offense. So specifically bringing, like, calling out Tyler Irvin and talking about, we brought him in for special teams. And he, like, 
immediately transformed our special teams. And then beyond that, he also had an element to the offense. Uh, I really like that and kind of, again, gave me gave me hope for year two. Uh, you know, either Irvin or Irvin-type guy in there to kind of do some of the, that stuff. They were able to open some things up from that and see what happened, and, and they've got a plan for that now. So that was, uh, I think that's my last LaFleur thing, is just, just him talking about Tyler Irvin and what that can mean for next year. Uh, got me excited because, I mean, who doesn't love Swervin Irvin, right? Was that his nickname? Yeah. yeah you, you didn't oh, know? My bad. No, I did not know that. No. Oh, yeah. Swerving Irvin. It's a good Ooh. nickname. That's a good nickname. Yeah. It, it flows. It flows. It does. Um, all right. Well, we're excited to kind of keep watching what's going on at the Combine. We've got great, great people down there for Packers content. So uh, make sure you're following everybody down there for Twitter. Um, those guys post, like, by the minute. So it's it's really great stuff. Uh, but we're going to do some closing thoughts here. So, Sarah, I'm going to start with you. You said you've got something good for us. Yeah. Ish. Well, basically, I have just been really stressed lately with work and with life and everything, you know, growing up. So I've been stressed. And I just wanted to say thank you to you guys and also thank you to everyone that listens to us each week because this is truly always, like, a highlight of my week. And it's always so much fun to be able to do this and kind of just step away from anything that's stressing me out and just talk Packers with you guys and have a good time. So I just want to say thanks to you guys and thanks for everyone that's listening because this is always something that, you know, I every now and then someone will tweet at us or DM me personally that, you know, listening to, listening to our podcast is something that helps them get through their day or get through their week, and that's the same for me in participating and, you know, recording an episode. So I'm just really grateful and happy that we have the opportunity to do that. So I just wanted to share that. Well, that's very nice. Dusty, uh, I'm assuming you've got an article to tell us about. I do. Yeah. Um, so today, today? Yeah, this comes out on Wednesday. I'm still trying to yep. get used to the fact this doesn't come out on it's Thursday anymore. It's very weird. Anymore. It's I'm really, still I'm I'm impressed with myself that I haven't screwed up the opening yet. I've been thinking that every time you've done the opening. I was like, Steve still hasn't done Thursday yet. That's that's mm-hmm. that's pretty impressive. Um yeah, so today I've got over on Cheesehead, I think uh noon central time, maybe. I don't know. Uh noon or one. I don't remember I don't know what time differences. Apparently I'm going through continuing through the series where I'm revisiting some plays from uh, the two, 2019 season. So this will be the second one. I'm going week by week. And so I took uh the Kevin King interception off Kirk Cousins uh, against Minnesota, which uh, which was which you know awesome and a lot of fun. So it's it's fun for me to kind of revisit some of those things. I focus so much on the passing game week to week that sometimes I forget about some of the bigger plays. So I'll, I'll rewatch the games, but maybe not as in depth as I would. So it's fun to kind of go through that, and also I've, I've been trying to provide some context for that play itself. Like this one specifically was, I think the Packers, you know, Packers jumped up in that game. They're up 21 nothing after the first three drives, and they ended the game with 21 points. And so that was fourth quarter. Vikings are driving. They're in the red zone. Uh, I think like, you know, roughly five and a half minutes left, and it's 21-16. So, and it's first down. So like a touchdown there, the Vikings go ahead, and you never know what happens. So uh, just kind of, you know, looking back, I, we've got that chalked up. Well, they, they won that game. They're 2-0 after that game. But I forget some of the specifics. So being able to go back through has been fun, and then also just kind of break another specific play. So this was a this was a fun one because you know it was a it was a big play, and also uh, it's Kirk Cousins throwing an interception. So what's what's not fun about that? I believe his name is Kurt Cousins. So uh, Kurt, yeah, Kurt, Kurt Curtis mm-hmm. Cousins, Mister mm-hmm. Curtis Cousins. Exactly. I believe you're correct. 
Uh, <laughs> something I did, I found very interesting today. Just as you know, it's always random ass crap for me for closing thoughts. So uh, I found that Jif peanut butter is releasing mm. a new jar of peanut butter that has a GIF. So I needed to weigh in with you guys as to the cr- the correct pronunciation of GIF. So the actual guy who created it says yep. it's Jif. But but yeah, but also uh, that was it was way after the fact. And also, if you say GIF for a GIF, then you have to explain that it's the peanut butter and that's dumb, and you just feel like a big dumb person. So it's GIF. I I make a lot of them and I call them GIFs. Fight me, it's GIF. Mm-hmm. You can fight yeah. me about and this. And also, GIF peanut butter trash. Trash. Oh, shut the hell up, <laughs> Jesus Christ! You're a Skippy person, aren't you? No, I'm a Peter Pan man. All right, I can deal with that. Yeah, okay. As long as it's not Skippy. No, that, that no. creepy ass goober stuff that I, they make that has I the have peanut some butter self respects. The, the peanut Skippy. butter and the jelly in one jar, like oh my god, what kind of hobo eats that crap? <laughs> a hobo, a hobo. <laughs> oh god, Sarah's gonna tell us that she eats that. No, I don't. I don't. No, okay. uh, no, Sarah. Sarah's an Uncrustables girl. <laughs> oh, dude, I will not. I will not fight anybody on Uncrustables. Those are outstanding. No, they're not. Oh Jesus Christ. <sighs> So many stupid things come out of your mouth, Duffy, but that's just one of the worst. I can't help it. Yeah, I know. I know. I understand, buddy. But uh, this is – so, all right, we'll just we'll just go. I do say GIF as well, um, especially since the first word in the, it's, is graphics. So that, yeah. that's what it stands for. Yes. That's what it stands for. Um, just to change everybody's life, I know we always talk about Oreos, but if you ever loved Shamrock Shakes – there now at McDonald's is a Shamrock McFlurry with Oreo. No. Life freaking changer. Go get it. Thank me later. Uh, and and that's going to end it. It's outstanding. I had one today. I loved it. It was awesome. So uh, mint Oreos, ice cream, like everything's awesome. Leave it at that. So uh, that will do it for us. Make sure you continually follow us on Twitter because, you know, we're we're good on podcasts. We're way better on Twitter. Let's be honest. We're way better, we're way better when we can think about the things that we say beforehand. So, uh, at Dusty Evely, at Sarah Kelleher, for at Steve Perhatch, and as always, at Packaday Podcast. We will be back next week. Hopefully some more combine information, some information about who the Packers have interviewed and are going to be interviewing as far as draft picks uh, and just another week closer to free agency, which will give the give us another clue as to what the Packers will be doing in the draft. So exciting times for the Packers. We will catch you guys next week. And as always, go Pack Go. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. 
That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.